Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. Could I ask you to stand with me one more moment for the reading of our main passage of Scripture this morning? It's coming from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, and it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Jesus, we are your people, but we are people who, who still live in a world where there is an enemy that tries to destroy us. And Lord, for those of us who, who have not yet figured out how to access the power that is available to us through you, today, God, we come boldly asking you to give us help. God, free your people. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of truth. This is a place where answers are found because we go to your word, and in your word we find how that in you we are overcome. Show us those things today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you sit down, so turn around and just give somebody a little air high five. Don't y'all touch nobody now. If you need to get a phone number, do it out in the lobby. you got plenty of time. Do your thing. All right, all right. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we are excited today because we're starting a, a new series of messages, and if you've been with us for a while, you know that uh, most months we go through a, a series and kind of have a theme that we're working with, and so over the next few weeks, I really want to encourage you, especially if you heard the message last week where I pretty much told y'all, y'all need to be in church every Sunday, and I'm not apologizing for that, whatever, um, but this is a great time to make up your mind today that, that, that I, need to, I, need to, I need to be a part of what's being said over the next few weeks, and just be here every week through, through the month of October, man, I really believe God's going to set some people free, not because of anything I have to say, but because the Word makes it clear how we win over the war that the enemy is trying to wage against us. So that's where we're going. So today I want to talk to you from the title of a message I'm calling A Better Mousetrap. A Better Mouse. How many of y'all know sometimes we need a little better mousetrap to, to catch some things in our lives? Y'all are like, what, what are you talking about better mousetrap? Okay, I don't know who, who y'all are. I don't know where you grew up, but, but I know some people. I know probably nobody in here, but I know some people who've had a mouse in their house, right? Just like, right, right. You probably never experienced that. Y'all ever had a rat loose in your house? Come on, just raise your hand. If you, come on, let's just, right, right, right. Y'all had a mouse, all right. Man, that little critter is from the devil. Would y'all agree with me? And if you don't get him caught, he's going to make some more little devil creatures with him real quick. Man, what happens when that mouse gets loose in the house, man? You, you're sitting there early in the morning, and you hear something go, oh, my goodness, there's a dang rat in this house. Man, that thing starts running around. You can hear him, but you can't see him. Then, then you go a day or two later, and you go to get you a fresh bowl of fruity pebbles. Come on, where are my people at? Fresh bowl of fruity pebbles. Get the milk. It's got the red lid on it with all the fat in it. That's what I'm talking about. That mouse has been in that box chewing on that thing. It's a hole in it. The mouse has done chewed a hole in the thing, man. And if you don't do something about it, not only does he drive you nuts running around tick, tick, ticking all over the place, drive you nuts because he's into your potato chips, he's into your fruity pebbles. But if you don't do something about it, you know, that thing's into the same stuff that you're into, and you start eating the same stuff that the rat's eating, it'll make you sick. 
Why are we talking about rats, Jeff? Well, because we need a better mousetrap. And, and, well, some of us need a better mousetrap at home, but all of us need a better mousetrap for what goes on inside of our minds. What I'm talking about today is anxiety. And anxiety is like a mouse that, that turns loose in your mind and starts, starts messing with you. And anxiety is something that will, will just, it'll, it'll rip you apart, man. Anxiety is something that, ah! man, get off of me. Get off me, Sonny, get off of me. Get, get off of me. Get off of me. Could you give a brother a warning about something? Y'all just going to let Sully slip up on somebody. You know, a mouse trap works pretty good for a little mouse. But when you got a monster like that coming at you, that little rat trap ain't doing no good, is it? Need a big mouse trap. Now, what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, anxiety is like that mouse, man. It starts running loose in your mind. It messes with your thoughts, right? It gets into your stuff, and it will make you sick if you don't do something about it. But you know what the problem is for most, even people who are followers of Jesus? You know what the problem is? We need a better mousetrap. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Here's the first thing. If you're struggling with anxiety and it's just eating your lunch and it's, it's tearing you apart, could it be that you're hunting with the wrong weapons? Maybe you're hunting for the, the, the anxiety that's destroying you. You're hunting with the wrong weapons. Let's go back to the passage of Scripture we read. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Now, can we just be, be honest with each other just a minute? Most of us who are struggling with things like anxiety, and anxiety leads to fear, sometimes leads to depression, all of these things. Truth of it is, man, if that thing's having its way with you and you are an anxious person, I'm going to make a guess right now. I'm going to make a guess that you don't like what it's doing, but you haven't figured out how to demolish it. You haven't figured out how to destroy it. And so we fight this thing with the weapons of this world. Well, what are some of those weapons? Come on, man. What do we do? We, we self-medicate a lot of times right? We self-medicate. Sometimes we get prescription, prescription drugs. And if you're someone who's been prescribed that your body is making a deficiency of one thing or over making something else and you need medicine for that, by all means, take that. But can I say to you, if that's not your issue and you just need something to take the edge off of it, I have a better plan for you today. Right? We self-medicate with, with drugs. We self-medicate with alcohol. Um, we self-medicate with, with comfort food. Come on, fruity pebbles and red lips. Yeah, 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 yeah. We self-medicate with Amazon. Retail therapy, right? Makes me feel good. Things are, things are all janky. I just need something to make me feel good. Oh, I order this package coming. I got something to be excited about. We self-medicate. But you know what else we do? Our weapons that we use in this world 
are not the weapons that God wants to use. Another thing we do is we put our antenna out, right? We put our, like, like I'm going through anxiety, and I just, I'm desperate for somebody to tell me how to feel better. So you're scrolling through the TV channels. Dr. Phil comes on. Y'all know, I mean, you, you've watched Dr. Phil. You get sucked into that thing. Man, this man's on here. His wife's acting all kinds of a fool. Kids going crazy. What's Dr. Phil going to do? You stay through 13 commercials in 45 minutes thinking, ooh, at the end, Dr. Phil's going to tell me how to fix this. You know what Dr. Dr. Phil's going to tell you how to do? He's going to tell you, oh, I have this expert in the field, and he's going to come to the stage, and he's going to take you away to Rancho Cucamonga, California, and and you go away for a year, and we'll help you to deal with your anxiety. And at a low cost of $49,000 for one year, you too can cure your anxiety. We put our antenna out, man. Or we get on social media and we vent about all these things. I know y'all don't do this, but I've seen people get on there. Man, I'm so anxious. I'm so worried. These things are happening. People are doing bad things to me. Just let it all out. Or worse than that, man, we even hide. Y'all ever hide? Like, man, this thing is just on me so bad. I'm so anxious. I don't even want to be around people. You know what that is? That's a form of depression. And that's saying, like, 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 I'm just so anxious about everything. Things are bad. Things are worse. Every area of my life, there's pressure. I just don't want to be around people. And then we isolate. The more you sit, the worse you feel. And the worse you feel, the more you sit. And that's where we go. And that's the weapons of the world. So I'm going to ask you, how's that working out for you? Has any of that gotten rid of your anxiety? Well, no. It might take care of it for a moment, but it keeps coming back. And so here's the next thing. You have access to better weapons. Go back to 2 Corinthians 10. Let's go to verse 5. You have access to better weapons. And so in verse 5, Paul says, on the contrary. In other words, against, don't, don't, don't keep doing things the way the world does. On the contrary, he says they. When he says they, he's talking about the weapons uh, that we have that are not of this world. He says they have divine power. Everyone say divine power. The weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Say that word. Say strongholds. If you're a follower of Jesus, and Paul's talking to a group of Christians, people who have given their life to Christ, they're doing the best they can to to follow Jesus. But guess what? These people who are following Jesus, and maybe this, this makes you feel a little better about things, these people who are following Jesus day after day, they're still struggling with anxiety and depression and fear. And Paul's saying, look, you're struggling with these things Because you're not accessing the weapons that are available to you. The weapons that God wants to give you are not of this world. They have divine power. You have human power. Let me say that again. You can do everything you can, but your power is only a human power. But when you're in Christ, you have divine power. You have power from on high. Almighty God who knows everything, sees everything, and has all power, He cares about you. You know why? Because you're his child. And some of you have bought into the lie that Satan wants to tell you that that God doesn't care about you. That God's left you in this mess because of decisions that you've made, because of things that you've done. Well, that's the voice of the enemy that's trying to heighten the anxiety. But as a follower of Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus and you're walking with him, you have access to better weapons. And their divine power has the ability to tear down strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a military term where, where when, when you and, and your, your battalion are in this spot and the enemy's on a hill and there's nowhere for you to go 
And if there's not something supernatural that happens, they're shooting fish in a barrel, and they're going to shoot, and they're going to kill every one of you. And that's where some of you are living right now. Because anxiety has you in this place where it's gone from, I used to be worried about things, then I got depressed about things, then I isolated myself, and now I just don't see any hope for my life. Man, maybe the world would be better off without me in it. Do you know how often I hear that? But that's not the voice of God. When Jesus was out on the water and the disciples were there, there was a a storm that blew in. We don't talk about this a lot of times, but that storm that blew in when the disciples were on the boat and Jesus uh, speaks to that, that, that sea, you know why that storm kicked up? Because the enemy knew that Jesus was going to land and his disciples were going to land and they were going to go to people who were struggling. And so the enemy was trying to stir up all of this strife, all of this struggle in a, in a natural way, in a physical, earthly way to keep them from getting there. But you know what my Jesus did? He stepped out on that boat and he said, Peace! Be still! And all the turmoil that was in that water had to obey him. Why would it be any different in your own life? The storm that's brewing in you is a stronghold, but we have divine power to destroy, to demolish the strongholds. Think back over the history or what you know about warfare, right? Remember, remember movies you've seen where, where people are fighting with a, a shield and, and they've got a stick or they've got maybe a sword? Fast forward that now to what does modern warfare look like? Man, you got some 18-year-old kid with a zit on the side of his head with a joystick flying a drone over some land on a foreign part of the world, dropping bombs from a drone and never seeing anybody. What I'm saying is you're fighting the enemy with a stick and God wants to give you a bomb-dropping drone. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus praise. Come on, man. Get excited. You have access to better weapons. You have access to better weapons. You know what some of those weapons that you have are? Like, it's one thing for me to tell you you have access, but what are those weapons? Well, let's look at a couple of them. One of them is the authority of Scripture. You have the authority of Scripture. It's no mistake that God has has preserved the words of the Bible, which our Bible, our English Bible, is translated from its original language, but it's been preserved through centuries so that we can can have that. Revelation 12, 11, if they put it on the screen behind me here, it says they, they triumphed over him, the enemy, the Antichrist, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know what that says to me? They overcame Satan. By the blood of the Lamb. What's the blood of the Lamb? Well, Jesus is the Lamb of God who came into this world. And He was a Lamb because He lived a perfect and spotless life, sinless life. His blood was the only blood that could take away our sins for eternity. Spotless Lamb of God. His blood. He went to the cross. He came to this world to go to the cross. Why? Because He loves you. And He knows the fight that you're in. He knows the struggle you're in. He knows the screaming, howling wind that you're living in the middle of, but He came knowing that if I will die, if I'll give my blood, my blood will purchase the price for their their sin and give them access to Almighty God. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What was the word of their testimony? 
I have had an encounter with Almighty God, and I once was lost, but now I'm found, and I'm not the person that I used to be, and Jesus showed up in my life. Not only does Jesus give sight to the blind and give legs to the lame, but he turns lives around. Did y'all hear Patty Johnson talking a minute ago? He turns lives around. We have the authority of Scripture. But if you never read the book, and if you never hide God's Word in your heart, how is it going to come out of you when the voice of the enemy is screaming? How are you going to fight if you never put the tools into your belt? We also have the power of prayer. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is two things. It's powerful and it's effective. What's a righteous person? The prayer of a righteous person, well, that's not me. I'm not righteous. Man, I make a mess of things. If you'd known what I was doing last night, last week, last month, I'm not righteous. When the Scripture talks about a righteous person, it's talking about every person who has given their life to Christ, has stepped into a relationship with Jesus, and is now allowing Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. It's not this thing of do I sin, do I not sin. Come on, man, we all sin, Right? It's a state of righteousness. It's moving from a state of sinfulness where I was separated from God. But when I say yes to Jesus and I step into the plan that He has for me and I allow Him to lead and I step into the story that He's written on my life, I take on the righteousness of Christ. And so the, the theological term is the, it's the imputed righteousness, right? So, so, so now when I say to these, these folks who are going down into the waters of baptism, you're, you're as perfect now as you will ever be. Say, well, I'm not going to sin anymore. Am I not going to make it? Yeah, yeah, you are. But when you become in Christ, a follower of Jesus, his blood now covers you. And when the Father looks at you, he's seeing his child. He's not seeing your sinful, nasty mess. You want to know how God sees our, our righteousness on our own, our sinfulness. Go read the book of Isaiah, and he talks about how our own righteousness is like dirty, filthy, stinking rags. But when we're in Christ, he sees us. And so it says the prayers of a righteous person are what? Powerful. Everybody say powerful. Power Power is the word that is where our word dynamite comes from. It blows things up. Your prayers, Christian, your your prayers, follower of Jesus, your prayers can be powerful and they can be effective. But you know why they're not going to be effective? Because you got to quit praying these whiny prayers. Stop praying whiny prayers. Stop telling Jesus about all of your problems. Oh, Lord, he's out late again tonight, Lord. Lord already knows where that man is. You ain't got to tell him that. Lord, he's out again. I don't know what he's doing, Lord. Lord, I just come to you. If you could just help me, Lord. Let me tell you something. you got power. You have access. You can walk yourself right up to the throne of God and say, God, you told me that I am righteous. And because I'm righteous, my prayers are powerful. God, I'm, I'm coming to you today. I can't fix that man. I can't fix that situation. But I can come to you in prayer, Jesus. I am not going to sit here and worry and sweat and wring my hands and be pitiful and miserable and whiny. Oh, whiny butt Christian. Can't stand a bunch of whiny butt Christians. Got access to a bomb-dropping drone and messing around with some sticks. God, your word tells me that I have power. And your word tells me that my prayer is effective. And so, Lord, you know what you want to do in that man. I don't know what you want to do. If you need to change me, God, change me. If you need to change him, change him. But, God, I'm trusting you. You see how this works? Stop whining about things and start telling God what he told you to tell him. And you have another weapon. It's the fellowship of believers. We looked at this last month. 
in our circle series, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered. Some of y'all feel that way right now. Lord, I've been praying. I've been praying every day. God, I pray every day. There ain't nothing changing. Well, why? Because you're doing it by yourself. Because you're so anxious that you've become depressed. And in your depression, you've isolated yourself. What does the enemy do? He cuts us away from the herd so that he can destroy us. you got to get back in with your tribe. you got to get around some people who can protect you and lift you up and pray with you. And you don't have the strength to pray for yourself. One may be overpowered, but two now, two can defend themselves. In a court of three strands, man, we get locked in arm in arm. Ain't nobody messing with us. It's one thing to pray about something on your own. But, but when, you start, when you start saying to the other believers, like, like the people that you've spent some time with, and you know that they're for you, and you know you can trust them, when you start, when you start telling them, man, I need you to pray about things with me. See, here's the thing. You're not going to like this part. But you're going to have to develop a little trust. I don't trust people normally. It takes some time for me to see if I can trust somebody. There's not many people that I do trust, but I do have a circle that I can trust. And trust leads to transparency. When I trust you and I know that I, I can bring something to you and I can, I can say this thing to you that I'm embarrassed about. Like I, I hate it that I'm so weak in this area and I don't want anybody to know about it, but I can't fix it on my own. i got to tell you. or i got to tell you this situation. i got to let you in. And you may not feel the same way about me after I tell you what I'm going through, but I trust you. I'm just going to be transparent with you. Trust leads to transparency, and transparency can lead to transformation. And when, I, when I'm transparent with you, and I say to you, you've been a good brother to me, and I need you to pray with me about this thing, because if I'm honest with you, I'm scared. And I go to this other brother, and I've built trust, and I'm transparent. And I say, well, you pray with me about this, and we get together. And we don't pray one time. Man, every time Jesus looks out the window, we out there banging on the door, hey, God, need your help on this one. Because we pray one time and think it's over and done. Don't worry about bothering God. He tells us in His Word, keep on praying about it. Keep on praying about it. Keep coming back. Keep praying. It's the fellowship of believers, man. Man, when you lean into that authority of Scripture and the power of prayer and the fellowship of believers, you're going somewhere. Now you're able to begin to execute a better plan. That's the third thing. You can execute a better plan. You can execute a better plan. Go back to to verse 5 in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, We demolish. I love that word. I love that word. I'm I'm picturing a wrecking ball, man. I'm picturing something that needs to be knocked down, and the wrecking ball will not be denied. It's a force that's going through that thing. Some of y'all need something to go through some stuff in your life. Not not hit your thing and bounce off of it. Not hit your thing and be, be cracked and broken. Your prayers are being cracked and broken. You need a wrecking ball in your life. Paul says, we, followers of Jesus, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He says there are arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is this? What are these arguments and these pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God? Well, you didn't maybe put that label on it, but you know what it is. Because there's a voice, there's a mind monster that's running through your mind. There's a rat that's screaming at you. And that rat has grown up to be a full-blown monster. And it's screaming at you, yeah, you've been praying, been going down to that little church, giving a little money down there, reading your little word every once in a while. God, come on now, look at me. Y'all know who I'm talking to. You're doing this. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. He's not answering anything you do. What's that? That's a voice that's setting itself up 
against the knowledge of God. It's arguing with you that you might as well just give up because I got you. You ain't getting out of this. Well, what does Paul say we do with that? He says, man, we're not listening to that mess. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish them. We don't whine about them. We don't medicate against those things. We don't push things away today that are going to come back and wreck us again tomorrow. We demolish these things by the authority of Scripture, the power of prayer, the fellowship of believers. You know what else he says we do? As followers of Jesus, he says we take every thought captive. Can I, just, can, I just, can I just shine a little light into something for y'all right now? Now, y'all may think I'm crazy with what I'm about to tell you, but I want you to hear this, and I want you to test it. Come back to me later on. Tell me if you don't agree with this. Every thought that comes into your mind is not from you. Every thought that comes through your mind is not from you. You don't sit around thinking, I think I'll just worry about some things today. I think my life would get better if I just get nervous and be anxious. There's an enemy who loves to go fishing in your pond, and he's constantly standing there throwing that fat big old lure across there, and you have not yet learned to quit biting on the little fish that's got a hook in it. You're still biting on the thing. That thing comes swimming by. It's a lure, and he's throwing it in there. Oh, that looks good. Let me grab hold of that. Oh, I got a hook in my mouth. Ah. Every thought that comes into your mind is not from you. There is an enemy who wants to destroy us. What do we do? We've got to learn to pay attention to our thoughts. And when we pay attention to our thoughts, here's what happens. I don't know how this works for you, but in my mind, somebody's gotten sideways with me or we, we kind of getting in a little, little something, something. And man, I'll start thinking about that person's name. Man, my palms start sweating. My heartbeat starts getting up a little bit. I start going into this conversation in my mind. And y'all don't know, but I, I will be telling them something in my mind. Let me tell you something. You ever get yourself to a place where you, you have an argument in your mind with somebody and you give them the business, you're in the wrong place. You got a hook stuck in your mouth and you are circling a drain. Come on, somebody. We take every thought captive. So over the course of this next week, I want you to pay attention to the thoughts that come through your mind. And when you start getting those sweaty palms and that heartbeat and you're telling somebody about something, wait a minute, stop. Here's what you do. God, that's not from you. And if I stay in this place, it's going to drag me and it's going to destroy me. God, I'm not biting on it today. I'm not, I'm not going to go into this thought process about that person again. I'm not going to worry about that again. I'm not going to be anxious about that again. I'm going to give it to you. That's how Paul says we demolish these things. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. God, I'm taking this thought about this person. I'm giving it to you. I'm not holding on to it anymore, and God will take it away from you. I don't think y'all believe me on this. It works, man. He will take that thing away from you. Our grandson, Charlie, he's five years old. Went to a t-ball game with him yesterday. Had that big boy sitting in the back seat in his, in his car seat, in the back seat of my truck. We're riding home from the t-ball game. And it's, Charlie, you going to spend the night with us? Okay, good, Pop Pop. I like that. That's good. How you like your new house? You got your own room? Yeah, but sometimes I have nightmares. I said, Really? He starts telling me about the night. Five years old, he starts telling me about the nightmares. I said, what do you do about that, Charlie? He said, he said, well, God is always with me. And then he said, he said, I guess they've been studying uh, some American history in kindergarten over to Christian uh, Heritage Christian Academy. He said, uh, I have the Bill of Rights to be safe. 
All right, I'll take that. <laughs> God is always with me, and I have the Bill of Rights to be saved. Come on. That little kindergartner knows more than some of y'all do. I don't know what y'all think about that. What do you do, Charlie, when I lay down in bed at night and I start having those nightmares? God is always with me. Some of us need to learn this. We don't have to fight it on our own. So, so a better plan. I want to give you a better plan for, for slaying the anxiety monster. This is real simple. If you learn to do this, it will change your life. Three things. A better plan for learning to slay the anxiety monster. Number one, quote this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. It's not for me. This is for you. I want you to memorize that little portion of that verse of Scripture this week. Say it over and over. Put it on the mirror at your, in your bathroom. Put it on the dash of your car. Put it where you see it. Say it ten times a day. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When you start feeling that anxiety coming up in you, when you start feeling yourself talking about that person, when you start feeling those thoughts and you realize that it's a lure, say this, quote this. And then the second thing is pray this. Jesus I realize, I recognize, I acknowledge that this thought, it's a lure. It's not of you. I'm taking it captive. Jesus, get it out of my mind. Quote this, pray this, and then do this. Change the channel. Choose to think about something else. We take captive every thought. Jesus, get this thought out of my mind. I'm not going down this. I'm not going to be destroyed again today. I'm going to choose to stay in peace. God, change the channel in my mind. Woo, sun sure does look good today. Panthers and the Cowboys. I think I'll play about that. Dak's going to throw about three interceptions, and the Panthers are going to win by 20. Oh, I feel better already. Not worried about what somebody's saying about me. You know, there was a season in my life, man, where my dad and I got into a little, a little disagreement about some things. And that disagreement turned into a season where, where he got mad at me about some things. And what he got mad at me about, it was really just a misunderstanding. He, he assumed one thing, and my, my impression of it was the truth was something different. But regardless, he got mad at me, and he decided, I'm done with you. I'm not talking to you anymore. You just go live your life. And so that was... I don't know, I can't remember how long it was, at least a year where I would go home and, and, and see my mom and my sister. My dad would be there, but he wouldn't talk to me. And man, every day, you talk about anxiety in my life. You talk about anxiety. And so, so I spoke to my pastor at the time, and I said, man, this thing's killing me. It's eating me alive. What do I do? And he said, the only thing I can tell you to do is you need to call him. And you need to take ownership for whatever you've done. Well, man... First of all, I ain't done nothing. He's seeing this thing the wrong way, but whatever. So I called him. I got to a quiet place, and I called him. He picks up the phone. I didn't think he would answer. Hello? Pop, I need to talk to you. I know you're mad at me, and I know I've hurt your feelings, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And I want to fix things. Things aren't right between us. This anxiety was eating me up. Well, what I expected him to say was, Son, I miss you, and we need to fix this. What he said to me was, well, I guess you just need to get on with your life. You just need to go and do what you're going to do because it's not right and I don't need you around. And so we kind of very awkwardly talked through the rest of that. I mean, we didn't talk much. just figured out how to hang up without just hanging up on somebody, you know. Very awkward. Hung up the phone. And it broke my heart. So there's another season that started right then. And that season began with, okay, God, I don't know what else to do. Can I just tell you one thing that I learned from that was that 
there was a great freedom. Even though we were at odds with each other, weren't talking, and the, and the relationship was probably even worse, more volatile then than it was before, I was at a place where I knew that, that I had taken ownership for what I had done. I can't tell him I'm sorry anymore. It's out of my hands. I put, I put myself in a place where if you're ready to fix this thing, I'm putting myself out there. Well, he wasn't ready. And so for a long time after that, every day of my life, his name would come to my mind and I would start thinking about things that he had done and why I was mad at him and all these things that I had against him. Until I came across this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And every time I started feeling that and sensing that, man, it was eating me alive. Me and my dad, not even talking. And I started saying, okay, God, I'm not going to think these things about my father. So I'm going to take this thought captive. I'm not going to stay here. Jesus, just get it out of my mind. Help me to think about something else. And Lord, I pray that you'll help my dad. I pray that you'll change his heart. Now, y'all don't know my dad, but he was a very stubborn man. He was a person who would write somebody out of his life and be perfectly fine with going on. Every day, this thought would come to my mind. And I would say, God, you got to get this thought out. I've done everything I know to do. I don't know how else to fix it. Take the thought captive. Jesus, change the channel. Every day, Lord, help my dad. Change his heart. And get on about my business. I went to my mom's house one time, way on down the road. My dad's there. He says, can we walk outside a minute? We go outside. He had a greenhouse where he was growing tomato plants. Let's go out to the greenhouse. I thought he's either going to kill me or something good's about to happen. We walk out there and he, he says, son, I need to apologize to you. I have not treated you right. This is his word. This is a, this is a hard man. He doesn't do this kind of thing. I've not treated you right. And I know it and you know it. If you'll accept my apology, I want to ask you to forgive me. And he stuck out that big old 6'6", 320-pound man's hand. And I grabbed his hand. I said, Pop, we'll never speak of it again. And he and I never spoke of it again. And God healed that relationship. I'm telling you about that. That's a whole other sermon about how to heal a relationship. But you know what my Jesus did for me in the process? He showed me that I could have peace in the storm. The enemy was trying to keep me destroyed in my heart with anxiety and fear and worry. And I knew that I'd done everything that I could. And I knew that I'd put it into God's hands. And if God changed it, it would get changed. And if God didn't change it, it wouldn't get changed. But I was trusting Him and not fighting it on my own. And my God changed that situation. And my dad and I spent the rest of his life in a great place. And I was there at his bedside when he passed back this last January. And we were able to sing songs about Jesus around his bedside and right there when he took his last breath and he went to be with Jesus. Why am I telling all of you this? Because I know there's an enemy that's very real. And he's wreaking havoc on a lot of our minds. But your God loves you. And he has a plan for you. And the plan that I've just given you is a very simple plan. If you'll take what I'm giving you today, you can begin to make some changes. And you can find that peace in your life. It does not have to be chaos. Can I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right there where you are? Lord, right now, I pray for our church. Pray for this church family, God. Lord, I know there's so many of us that are dealing with anxiety, and anxiety leads to depression. And Lord, for those of us who are following you, who, who bear your name, who have been baptized, and we're really living it out and following you, but we just hadn't put the right tools in. God, I pray that these tools will set down into our hearts 
Help us to remember these things. Help us to memorize the verses of Scripture we need, learn how to pray. And God, I pray that you'll fight the fights that we can't win on our own. Now, while I'm praying that this morning, I want to go a different direction. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. Everything that I'm telling you that you have access to, you have access only if you are a follower of Jesus. Some of you who are here today, maybe you've experienced religion. Maybe you've gone to church. Patty talked about how she'd been to church, but she was baptized, but she had no relationship with Jesus. She had no power in her life to get over the, the, the boyfriend with addiction. She had no power in her life for her future. But when she came to Jesus and she laid all of that down, He changed her life. You've seen a number of people this morning give their life to Christ. There are some of you here today, my guess is, that have never said, God, I want to surrender my life. I want you to be my Lord. And what he's saying to you today is you can begin to step into that relationship where you too can have access to the power. But to be able to do that, you have to start by saying, Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Before we go any further, I just want to ask you a question, one simple question right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's you right now, and you know that you need that relationship with God, and you want it to start right now today, if that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? Just raise your hand up. I need you, Jesus. Yes, keep them raised. Raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up. I see one hand. Two. Three. Four. Who else? Five. Six. Who else? Seven. I need you, Jesus. I want to give you my life today. I want to be saved today. All right, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody in the room, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody that raised your hand, I want you to raise your hand again. Keep it up high. I want to see your hand. I want to pray for you. Keep it up high. Now, if you just raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and walk right up here where I am. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come on, step out. You're not stepping out yet. You got your hand raised. Come on, come on. Don't be shy. Don't be, come on, come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Come on up here to me. I'm going to pray over you. You're making a decision. Faith is moving to your feet, and your feet are moving you to a place where you're stepping into Jesus right now. Come on, if you raise your hand. Some of you raise your hand. You Come on, come on. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's changing hearts in this place right now. While they're walking up here, I'm going to ask everybody in this room, you're standing beside someone. Look to the person to your left and to your right. Say, do you want to walk up there? Can I go with you? There's some people in this room that would come if somebody would go with them. Ask the person beside of you. This is your chance. Come on. Who, there's some other fun. If you want to come up, you just need somebody to come. Ask the person. Come on. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. You come on up. Who else? That's right. Come on up, ladies. Come on up. Who else? I want Jesus. Don't leave this place without him, man. You have access to power that you've been looking for. Come on. Who else? I need you, Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. Okay. Guys, I want to talk to you. Let me see you right now. First of all, I just want to congratulate you on the faith. It takes courage to step out of these seats and to come up here. It takes courage to say, Jesus, I'm going to die to my life and I'm going to give it to you. And so right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But I always want to say this before I say this prayer. This is a dangerous prayer. This is a prayer that changes lives. But for your life to change, you've got to be in a place where you're ready to say, I'm done being the boss of my life. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Is that what you guys want? All right, everybody in the room, we don't want anybody doing this on their own. I'm going I'm to lead them in a prayer. I want everybody in the room just to say it in a, in, a, in, a, in a move of unity. Can we just say these prayers? Just close your eyes right now. Talk to Jesus. Say, God, I need you. 
Jesus, I give you my life. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. But today, I take hold of you, Jesus. I lay down my life. And I'm asking you to take it up. Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. I'm placing all of my trust in what you did at the cross. Today, Jesus, you are my Lord. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Give them a round.